Amen. Good morning. Again, uh, good morning, family. Because that's who we are, right? That's who we're striving to be. That's who we're growing together as. That is what we are becoming, right? We already are, but we have to keep becoming that. I'm very, very excited about this morning um, to continue this journey of this new sermon series that we began last week. Last week, we talked about the fact that we all are on a journey of becoming, and we are always becoming what God has for us to be in the future, and that it's not just a journey of becoming that we go on individually as people, but it's a journey of becoming that we go together as a church on the journey. And so that is what we're that is what we're doing this morning. We also talked about how God has established um, this journey of becoming. He did it by providing leadership for the local church. And the primary goal of that leadership is to equip people to do what? To sit in pews and listen to sermons? No, to equip people to serve. That is the primary, that is my primary goal as your pastor and the leadership of this church is to equip you to be people of service. And that is when we grow, when we grow into people who serve one another, the church grows. And when the church grows, the kingdom outside these four walls grows. Amen? So this morning, I brought some flowers with me. Do you like my flowers? Did I do an okay job of picking those out, ladies? Yeah, well, that's the ladies. Guys are just like, flowers are flowers. But we brought those home. Most of the time, if you come and visit us in our home, if you come to the Welchel home, you will find some kind of flowers like this in our kitchen all the time. Um, That is because I know what my wife likes. Uh, Kim has this thing about flowers. She just loves flowers. She loves having flowers in the house. She loves having flowers uh, in our kitchen and real flowers, like fresh flowers, not, not fake ones, but real ones. So I try, I don't always succeed, but I try to make sure to keep some live flowers in our kitchen. And sometimes it's crazy weeks, and sometimes you may walk in and find dead flowers in the kitchen <laughs> because I've not kept up the way I should have. But I try to on every once in a while when I'm on a run to Kroger to get some milk or bread or whatever, even if it's not snowing, I get milk and bread, and, and go by and grab a little $5 bunch of flowers and bring those home. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal to her. Most of the time, I keep, we keep just a small bundle of the same kind of flowers, like um, alstroemeria or daisies or tulips or something like that in a vase, and it's sitting in our kitchen, but occasionally I may pick up one like this if I'm feeling extra sentimental. I'll get uh, a little more expensive one, one that's got a varying, uh, a bouquet of different kinds of flowers. And what makes uh, a bouquet like this beautiful is that it's not just all the same kind of flower. It's a bunch of different ones that are all mixed up together. This morning we're going to use these flowers to help us think about the passage that we're going to cover in Romans chapter 12 today. A very small part 
of Romans 12. But the entire chapter is full of principles that teach us how we grow together as a church. But for time's sake today, we're only going to look at verses 3 through 5 of Romans chapter 12. So if, you'll, if you have your Bible with you, please find that, Romans 12. And we're going to begin in verse 3. And I'll be reading to you from the NIV translation, and this is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. In verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. There are four principles in these verses that are very important in this journey that we are taking together as a church. Of becoming the church that God wants us to be. And so I want to give you you, um, point people, the ones who like lists and numbers, you're going to like this today. I've got four main principles, not eight, four. Four main principles that I'm going to give you this morning um, that, that we need to understand that need to, be, that need to become part of our DNA as a church family. Look at verse 3. We're going to go back to verse 3 and begin there. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Here's principle number one. There are no Lone Rangers. There are no Lone Rangers in the church. Now we discussed last week this issue of humility. And here Paul tells us That no one should think more highly of themselves than they ought to. And the reason humility is such an important element in the life of the church, in us being unified and growing together, is because one of the biggest lies that pride will sell to us is that we are better, greater, or more important than other people that we see in the body. And when we buy that lie that we are bigger, greater, more important, then that also sells the lie to other people that they are worse, less, and more insignificant because they are always comparing themselves to others. So Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. So here's a fair question for us to ask. If Paul says, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, then how highly ought I to think of myself? He says, don't think too highly of yourself. He doesn't say, um, just completely disregard yourself at all. He says, don't think too highly. Well, how highly is too highly? When we consider the role that we play in the body, Paul says that we should think of ourselves based on truth. He uses that phrase with sober judgment. He says, think of yourself the way, based on reality, the way things really are, rather than your own perception. 
or your own feelings. Because our perception of ourselves and the, our feelings about ourselves may not be right all the time. Sometimes our perception and our feelings of ourselves are too low. We buy that lie that says you're insignificant, you're not important. You're not a big deal around here and nobody really cares whether you're here or not. That's, that's wrong. But Paul also says, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't, don't think that you, you have arrived and that nothing can happen without you. And that you, you are the most important person around. If we go back to verse 3, the very beginning phrase of verse 3 is what's important there. Paul says, for by the grace of given me, I say to every one of you. Paul says the only way that I can give you instruction about humility is because grace has been given to me. God has extended his own grace to me. So we understand that because we are saved by grace, the only way we can serve is to serve by grace. You got me? You can't, because we are saved by grace, the only way we can serve is serving by that same grace that Christ extended to us to save us. And did you do anything to earn God's grace for your salvation? Nope. Any service that we do in the grace that we were saved by we understand that it's not because of us. It's not anything. Our service is not because we're that wonderful. Our service is because whatever ability or talent that we have to serve, it's because God has given it to us, just like he gave us salvation by his grace. If you have the ability to serve, he's given you that ability to serve by that same grace that he saved you by. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. This is what Paul is talking about. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from everyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast? Or if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? There's a, there's a quarreling that's going on here in Corinth about uh, there were some people who were following, who, who were kind of attaching themselves to Apollos and saying, oh, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Apollos. And some people were saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm a follower of Paul. I'm following him. And people were getting into fights and arguments about who was, who was greater, who was better. And Paul says, basically, there's nothing that any of us have to serve with that was not given to us. No matter what gift you've been given to serve, we can never forget that that gift has been given. We don't earn it, we don't choose it, and we don't come up with it on our own. So Paul says, don't let your giftedness or your service cause you to think you're more important than others in the body. Because pride will convince us 
that we can do everything by ourselves. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever gotten close to being a little arrogant and thinking, well, I don't really need anybody else to do this stuff. I can, I can do it myself. That's what pride will do. If, if, I were to take, if I were to take this little guy, put that there. Did these two even compare to one another? Does not, this one's not supposed to be over here by itself. It belongs in there. Because this, is, this, this was designed to be this way. This is kind of, if I came home with this. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I would get a peck on the cheek. Pride will do this. Pride will make us think that we can be over here by ourselves and that we don't have to be a part of this. <laughs> but that's so not true. Look at verse 4 and 5. Verse 4 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Here's principle number two. Humility comes before unity. Humility comes before unity. If a church is not unified in mind and spirit pride will always be one of the symptoms that makes it that way this is the reason Paul even in this passage uses verse 3 to address humility before he talks about unity in verses 4 and 5 and there's an important word in verse 4 the beginning of verse 4 begins with the word for F-O-R. For, just as each of us has one body. So in verse 3, Paul is talking about humility. And don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And then he begins verse 4 by saying, for, or because. This is why it's important for you not to think too highly of yourself. Because here comes verse 4. And he talks about unity. For or because in Christ we form one body, unified. Unity is broken when we decide that we are good enough, strong enough, spiritual enough to do things on our own. And we don't need to serve others or we become conceited in our giftedness. Humility has to be present. Humility has to be a part of our individual makeup. Has to be a part of our own individual growth before we can be a part of the body the way we're supposed to be. And until we get a grasp on humility, we're always going to be separated. There's always going to be division. 
That also leads us to principle number three. Unity isn't the same as uniformity. Mm. (laughs) Unity is not the same as uniformity. Those are two different things. In verses 4 and 5, Paul also tells us that though we are all unified in purpose, we do not all have the same function. And we have to understand that to be unified does not require that we look alike, act alike, dress alike, talk alike, or serve Jesus the same way. And that's a very easy trap that we can fall into. We can think to be unified, that means we all have to be exactly alike. Diversity in the body of Christ was Jesus' idea. This this is Jesus' idea. The fact that everybody is different. And they come together and they create something beautiful. That was his plan. That was his purpose. He started out from the very beginning to make this. Not a vase full of daisies. He wanted this to be the picture of the church. We have to broaden our understanding and stop believing that for us to be unified as a church at FBC Lindell, that we all have to be the same. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. This is kind of a longer passage, but this is so important. Beginning in verse 14, this is what Paul says again to the church at Corinth. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, then where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, listen to this, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Aren't you glad... Everyone in this church isn't just like you. (laughs) Now think about it for a minute. Aren't you glad that everybody in this family isn't exactly like you? Now let me stop you for a second. If, If you heard that question and you went, well, I don't know, it might not be that bad. then you need to go back to principle number one. (laughs) Because you're missing it. Completely off base. No, of course, you don't want everybody to be like you. The reason a mixed bouquet of flowers is so beautiful is because it's made up of so many different kinds of flowers. What kind of church, I want you to consider this too, what kind of church would this be if everyone here had the same abilities talents, gifts, and personality that you do. How much would get done? There may be one or two things that we would do extremely well, 
But then there would be hundreds of things that we couldn't do at all. Because there would be no one to do them. Think about your gifts, your skills, your talents. Your personality, your passions, your heart. I hope we're all different. There are some of us who are gifted towards some things. And those of us, some who are gifted highly in these things, others of us struggle. And have maybe almost zero giftedness for. That's why Jesus established diversity as one of the most beautiful parts of his church. And there's one more principle that I want you to remember. Principle number four. We need each other. We need one another. Verse five. Paul says, so in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and and listen to that last phrase, and each member belongs to all the others. My place in this church, my place in this church family is not just for me. It's not just for my benefit. I am not here just so I can get my needs met, So that I can have my desires met. So that my spiritual itches can be scratched from week to week when I come here. A lot of my reason for being here is for you. Because you need me. And I need you. I need you. Look around the room for a moment. And I want you to, if you, if you don't, you guys get to look around the room all the time. But look around the room for a second and look around at the people. And think about the truth that you are not an island to yourself. But Paul says that as members of Christ's body, we all belong to each other. You belong to the people in this room and they belong to you that means that we have a privilege and a responsibility and an ownership over each other's lives we are responsible for one another we're responsible for each other's growth for each other's building up for each other's edification for each other's accountability Paul says you belong to one another. You don't get to just come sit and be by yourself. That's not church. You're invested. Unity is what we're striving for. And unity is what draws us together when things are going great. Do do some of you guys feel like things are going pretty great in our church family right now? I I hope so. I feel that way. I hope you do. And it's when things are going great that unity pulls us together and draws us together. And we know kind of what that feels like. One of the reasons everybody is kind of loving this one service thing is because we're all together. And it feels good. 
and it feels nice. It feels encouraging and edifying when we're all joined together and, and, and we kind of see unity. But let me tell you something about real unity. That same unity that draws us together when things are good is the same unity that will hold us together when things get hard. And things will get hard. I know that. And you should. Because we won't grow and progress for the kingdom of God without fighting some battles. Without having some difficulties. Without having some pains of growth with each other. Without running into circumstances that we have to figure out how are we going to be unified together to go after and solve whatever is before us. So don't just love unity when it feels good and it brings us together. We have to hold on to unity when it's hard. Because it will hold us together. That unity will hold us together. Unity says that I can't quit on you. Because you need me. And unity says that you can't quit on me. Because I need you. So, the four principles. Remember them. Number one, they're no long rangers. No lone rangers. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Number two, Humility has to come before unity. We will never be unified until we have a unified grasp on humility, that we understand how important it is for us not to think too highly of ourselves. Number three, that unity is not the same as uniformity. Don't expect everyone to be just like you and have the same skills and have the same talents and have the same passions and have the same heart because that is not the way God designed the church to be. He designed it to be a vast array of diversity because that's how the kingdom gets built. And number four, we need each other. You belong to one another. So love one another, bear with one another, and hold on to unity when it feels good and it draws us together and hold on to that same unity when it gets hard because it will hold us together.